0: Hello everyone, Reverend Cederman here again, it's nice to be back. I've been thinking about a kind of good teaching that perhaps is a little bit um, of a challenge uh, because I want to challenge some misconceptions um, <clears throat> that, you know, perhaps even myself of being and studying Buddhism when I was younger, when I first came to Buddhism, some concepts that are easily kind of shared and pushed in a lot of Uh, you know, temples and groups, etc. And I wanted to, you know, I, through all of my study and and practice, have been shocked because a lot of times what people are teaching, and this is, of course, in accordance with what Nietzsche and Shonen's issues were, is not Buddhism. And one of those teachings that how people push and also use it, especially you're taking a whole group another culture of people like ourselves in the United States and you present us with an idea of emptiness now of course when I've always met Zen practitioners uh, this tends to be one of the focuses maybe it's different now but I mean when uh, whenever I interacted with people of Zen you know everything was about Mu or emptiness uh, and again, character Mu, which is in Namu, of the Odaimoku, the second character means emptiness. And I, you know, upon studying all the different sutras, I was really shocked because, and this again goes to perhaps and, and kind of makes us understand a little better what Nichiren Shonen was referring to. And this is really interesting because a lot of people think that when you read the Rishuan kokoron uh, establishing the true law to save our nation. You know, people think, you know, that was just Nietzsche and Shonen's nationalism or extremism, right? Just establishing the true law. Well, what does that mean? And actually, the more you study and read, especially Tiantai, uh Master Jiri, you know, that you realize that Nietzsche and Shonen, that wasn't his idea. And again, that shows that he was a reformer because he was trying to go back to the basics, the basic form, the kata of Tendai, in which if you looked at uh, Tendai in Japan during the medieval times, uh, it really went off the rails, which of course, mixing with uh, and taking on almost identical behaviors and and practices as Shingon, Right, that were not based on the Lotus Sutra. And then Mount Hiei was, uh, there's a great book called Sideshow, you can always read it. There were just so many practices on the mountain that were all these secret initiation, they call it uh, kuden, or orally secret transmission. So you had to kind of be brought into the brotherhood, so to speak. And this was a major thing going on at the time that Nichiren Shonen was there. And when you hear Nichiren Shonen calling out particular branches of Buddhism, and again, you know, a lot of times their founders focused on specific, especially during the Kamakura, the Kamakura era during Nichiren Shonen's time, they focused on, how do you say, they called them one-practice schools, where Tendai was this really great big boat of all these different practices and teachings, and basically uh, practitioners like Dogen, Nichiren Shonen, uh, like a Shindan Shonen. Uh, They devised single practices rather than these uh, kind of Buddhist institutions. They were kind of fighting that. But, you know, it may look like Nichiren Shonen is one of those people, but it it actually, he actually wasn't. He was a preserver of Tendai. And one of the discussions concerning emptiness, and and, and I had found this out in the uh, Nirvana Sutra, And in the Nirvana Sutra, which is, of course, it's categorized with with the Lotus Nirvana in the five periods, right? If you read that, it actually says that the idea, that if one holds simply the idea of emptiness, that that's a heretical teaching, and that it's absolutely not the teaching of the Buddha, which is really fascinating. So in the Great Cessation and Contemplation Sutra, the Makashikan of, Nichi, of uh, Master Tiantai. It states here, uh, in when he's talking about the clarification of what it means to transgress the precepts. So you have the precepts. What does it mean to be transgressing the precepts? Because a lot of people just, you know, um, think that transgressing the precepts uh, are very, how do you say, simplistic, in a simplistic way. But actually he goes into this really long teaching that There are these many aspects that even thought uh, is a way of breaking the precepts or the um, vow to the Buddha in in practicing the tradition. And and one of the things of that is they go through a whole bunch of different um, practices, such as even uh, the idea of even uh, passions arising in the mind, uh, finding evil teachers, evil contacts, etc., etc., but actually, he has a really big part. You know, they talk about meeting an evil teacher, uh, understanding evil dharma,s which means evil teachings. You know, and also the many, many different kind of ways that ones can transgress their practice. But it's interesting because he speaks specifically about the wrong views. That actually having the wrong view is where most people. Uh, will break the precept. And one of the wrong views that he specifically talks about is the incorrect view of emptiness. And I remember, you know, going and studying at Zen monasteries. And again, this was not necessary because ten, I believe ten, uh, Zen at its root, if taught, you know, especially those practitioners who studied at Mount Hie, um, and th- this is not speaking and generalizing, but... Uh, that they that the Lotus Sutra should be the root of their practice, in order to keep them uh, from having a mistaken view. Because what Nichiren Shonin was calling them Zen devils was that he believed that it was a a mistaken view. And actually, this is I believe that this is where he got those um, those concepts. So it wasn't his discretionary idea or disdain or or prejudice against Zen. Uh, because it happened to be another one of the major sects at that time. But it talks about the idea that that mistaken views... You should know that a mind with such mistaken views is to be greatly feared. That one with mistaken views is perhaps one of the most dangerous um, offenses and the ways that we transgress Buddhism. Because, you know, why is that so? It says, if it is realized that the four major prohibitions and the one who transgresses them are all empty, and even the five grave offenses are also empty, then why would one not go ahead and commit these grave offenses? So this is idea, of course, the idea, this is the mistaken view of emptiness, sunyata so, dristi. And this becomes extremely powerful. And they state, and there will remain no restraint with regard to your actions or in hurting others. And actually, I believe that this is what, you know, I I think most people, when they practice Buddhism, you know, we're we again don't go into Buddhism uh, with our whole heart. People go into Buddhism because they they feel it is simply a um, option, another option in beliefs uh, to uh, perhaps the Abrahamic religions that they grew up with. Uh, or whatever culture or tradition that they grew up with that it's it's an optional thing and that they actually just take bits and pieces. And of course they interpret it. And then even as we can see, because obviously there's I, I have a I have a very close acquaintance that is a Zen teacher and he understands this properly because that is why I'm very thankful I got a chance to talk to him about it. But yet this idea of beats, beat neck Zen, which came about in the 60s, which you look at the cultural kind of revolution in the United States in the 60s was about, you know, uh, tuning out, you know, just letting things go, not letting, you know, that the world's going to end, it's going to spin, it's going to keep turning, you know, like a lot of 60s songs. And it kind of turned into, as we saw, which, of course, it, end, it ended with, uh, you know, the summer of love in the 60s. You know, with all of this happiness and this and that, and, and people were, of course, in a kind of state of emptiness, that they didn't need attachment, they didn't want to be part of the world, etc., and it kind of spun out that what we well, remember of that is, of course, the Manson family killings, which, you know, and, and then you can see the many different lives and stuff that, uh, you know, perhaps were um, tainted, because then it went into the 70s, of course, with a lot of issues that were coming over from the 60s, but... You know, I, of course, wasn't alive, so I'm only looking from a historical view. So maybe you have a different point. But my point is, is that Nichiren Shonen, you know, looked at this idea of sunyata or emptiness. And, and it was interesting because, as I stated, in the, I, I was shocked because most people's practice of Buddhism, especially in Zen Buddhism, was simply on this concept of emptiness. This is what they always talked about. And uh, that's why whenever I would use a sutra or a qu- quota sutra or a practice, they would say, that's empty. You're attached. Why do, you, why do you need that? You know, that kind of thing that actually you could see, whereas it was saying this mistaken view of emptiness becomes so powerful and there will remain no restraint with regard to actions or in hurting others. Because actually... What the Buddha says is that this this concept of emptiness is a heretical view. It's not the uh, view of the Buddha, because we see that in Tiantai Buddhism as referred to the threefold truth, and that was basically referenced Master Tiantai from Nagarjuna and uh, Nagarjuna. And so, therefore, you know it. It you know all the different traditions have a different outlook on it, but I'm going to only speak, of course, from Tiantai and and uh, Nichiren Buddhism because I, I'm not a I'm not a spokesperson for that because uh, you know this is what I've come up with. So if you have a different way of looking at it, absolutely I understand. And the threefold truth was simply that there is emptiness. That's one aspect. That if you only focus on that, then you're unable to really understand the middle way, right? Because there has to be a kind of uh, Litness test that you can find the middle between these extremes and that was emptiness and provisional emptiness which means not all things are just simply empty. There is emptiness within form and that, that form looks real but in reality it's still an empty uh, nature but yet it looks real. So it's it's like if I look and say this world doesn't really exist. Master Chante would say well there's physical manifestations by causes and conditions, Right. And that by understanding, but understanding the true nature of both of them in the idea of this this empty nature, which doesn't mean nothingness. You know, again, when somebody said emptiness, it's potentiality. And that's potentiality for change. So one great teacher taught me, you know, a very simple way of thinking of emptiness with a fist. So if you have a fist and you make a fist, go ahead and make a fist. That's something. That's a fist. And then if you open it, it's no longer a fist. But it still has the potential to become a fist. That's the kind of idea of emptiness and provisional emptiness. And then between the both of them, the third way is that is how we come to understand properly the middle way. So what Master Chantai is saying is that actually if we don't use this threefold truth, then to understand emptiness and to understand the middle way, because it's not about the attachment to the emptiness, it's about understanding the middle way of the Buddha This is how we go about it, and that if we don't do it properly, then we will, of course, fall into incorrect views. So it says, those who have no restraint are like people with no king or queen to restrain them. People with such a mental attitude are like people who do not admit that they have a king or a queen. And yet because they cherish their own bodies and lives, they do not assassinate the king, because if they did so, their bodies would be crushed. And their lives put to an end. This kind of ignorant view of emptiness does not truly empty your body and life, but is a selfish cherishing of your body and life and does not empty the authority of the king. If you are not able to realize truly the emptiness of oneself and the king, see, that's the idea of the true nature of emptiness and the, and the uh, provisional, the king, how can you deceive your father and mother? be careless towards the teachings of the Buddha and then say that the four major prohibitions and the five grave offenses are empty? whether well, they're talking about the prohibitions or the things that the major ones that were not to do that destroy your Buddha seed and the four and the five grave offenses, which of course are the major major ones which destroy Buddha nature and the prohibitions being within the Sangha. It should be known that such people, are not able to perceive their own faults, that is, their attachments to emptiness. Such people cannot even perceive what is near, let alone what is far away. And they're using that, of course, uh, dual you know dual type terms to talk about the threefold truth. In that, understanding what is near emptiness, but also understanding what is far, the provisional the uh, provisional nature or state of emptiness. Yeah? That's really important. Uh, To reject the Buddha's prohibitions by a mean of evil view of emptiness is to break the legalistic precepts, the uh, the samvara sila. Uh, Sila means uh, precepts. For the mind to be disturbed by the mistaken view of emptiness is to break the precepts that accompany samadhi. To be strongly attached to your own views is to break the precepts of emptiness. To defile the good intentions of others is to break the precept of conventionality. To not believe that the mind of mistaken views is equivalent with vain voidness, or that the Buddha Dharma is ultimately pure, is to break the precepts of the middle way. And I guess, and and again, it it it, it says that this is not the precepts of emptiness; this is the precepts of the middle way. And what it's saying is that, and, and this is how it actually manifested. So. There are actually some schools within Zen schools um, that basically have this idea of emptiness as a kind of um, nothingness, uh, not with the idea of potentiality, but that it's just simply empty. And it's, it's fascinating because when we look at that, we, we, uh, we look at that we don't have any, inter- you know, that everything doesn't have meaning. So I remember sometimes people would really attach. And this is just my view, my experience from you know studying uh, Zen in the United States, and that that people would constantly rationalize and use this view of emptiness to not be attached to perhaps uh, any how do you say observance or uh, negative emotion or feeling that they used. Emptiness is a way to justify bad behavior because they weren't attached to it. But yet it's interesting because in the Master Tiantai's teaching, it says specifically, and this also, of course, they use the idea of uh, even Confucianism. The idea of someone who is really wishing to attain enlightenment really needs to have a disdain for evil. And it talks very specifically what evil is because you'll sometimes to go into communities where they don't believe that evil is real, so that would kind of that would be a mistaken view of emptiness. That if they just thought evil was emptiness, because this turned into a kind of uh, belief in medieval Buddhism, where you had people basically, uh, maybe it's a I'm not a psychologist, but in a way of a sociopath that they have no emotional, um, you know, awareness. And that they have no empathy or anything because all of those emotions and that would be seen as emptiness, right? And therefore nothingness. And that being simply unattached would be the way that one can, uh, you know, move through life. This is a very selfish way of thinking. And, And as he's saying, this moves you farther away because ultimately with this mind you will break the precepts because the precepts are for somebody who sees very clearly what is beneficial and what is not beneficial, and, of course, that is what Buddhism specifically says. So, you know, that's why the beginning of Nietzsche and writing, he says, you know, there are other traditions that are not Buddhist traditions. Master Tiantai says it, too, such as Confucianism, Taoism, etc. And Confucianism allows us to kind of set the base for Buddhism to grow, because if you have a bunch of people who don't, narcissistic type people, I guess that would be the antithesis of narcissism, behavior, right? That the idea that they don't have any connection to other, they don't have any kind of, uh, how say, contemplative behavior, awareness of self, etc., and that everything is empty, including good and bad actions. Uh, and of course, in response to other people, that actually he believed and he says that Confucianism sets the moral ground for society, because that's basically what Confucianism is. So as you can see, you may be shaking your head right now going, yeah, you know, when I visited the Zen group, that's what they were talking about. And that kind of everything was about emptiness. And and it, it can very much seem like an avoidance, you know, where you can, in a way, bring yourself, you know, again, I, I think it's a form of narcissism because a narcissist really can't empathize with other people, right? Because, You know, but the only thing about a narcissist is that they probably have a sense of self. But I mean, even if you didn't have a sense of self, you know, it may be incorrect. It may be faulty, but that, you know, they lack empathy. But this is even saying the idea of a sense of self so that there were practitioners of Buddhism that would go around and do all kinds of atrocities. And these were even Tendai monks in and saying that they were still upholding the precepts because there was a there's a theory called of hongaku where one doesn't have to observe the precepts and that in one's buddha nature the precepts are already uh, fulfilled and that one doesn't have to practice or study this is another thing that nichiren shonin was fighting so you know nichiren shonin was standing up and that's why it's a reform he's a reformer uh, and a more of an orthodox than other for other people during the kamakura era in that he was absolutely reforming tendai and it says it should be thus it should thus be known that a mind with a mistaken and one-sided view of emptiness is to be greatly feared so therefore the reason why i'm making this is that we don't easily fall into that you've probably read enough books that just go on and on about emptiness And without context or without a teacher, without the sutras, it's very easy to create, from an egotistic point of view, this idea of emptiness. And I think that's where it grows from. It's very typical of humans to use something good and then turn it evil through ignorance, right? That's the Buddhist point. If you fall into such a mistaken view, you will sink and be ruined for a long time and not be able to attain the destinies of a human and divine beings and attain nirvana, much less maha-paranirvana. Therefore, the Middle Treatise says, the great sage teaches the dharmas are empty because fundamentally people are dominated by the concept of being. This is another thing that the, that the Nirvana Sutra says, that the idea of emptiness in that sense that they're using it is an expediential teaching. And that was an expediential teaching because most people don't use the idea of, you know, they know that they're alive. They don't feel emptiness. So they, they fight with the concept of emptiness and that nothing is, is uh, permanent, right? So they're stuck in the provisional, thinking that this body is real, right? And then not being able to, that, of course, keeps them from being able to find the middle way. So it says that, you know, that that is the concept of being is where most people are stuck and that the concept of emptiness was brought about in order for them to understand the threefold truth. But as for people who are attached to emptiness, even the Buddhas cannot save them. It says this in the Lotus Sutra and it says that they are heretics. Again, a sutra says, even if you give rise to a mind of doubt with regard to the dharmas, you can still destroy passionate afflictions as big as Mount Sumeru. So this is perhaps what it's saying is that if you look at it, and if you look at even the uh, eight limbs, it talks about that the first is a morality for the society. And then of course, the kind of morality through the regulations of oneself through the five regulations. Right. And this is basically saying that, you know, they, that somebody who has such a mistaken view and attachment to emptiness are really difficult To be transformed, and that's why I believe Nietzsche and Shonen use the idea of Zen devils. The Sutra of Non-Activity says, Covetous desires are the path, but a biased grasp of these words can reveal that one is unrestrained by moral restraints. How can one not quote the Sutra of Non-Activity that if you are uh, covetously attached to the dharmas of non-restraint, you are far from Buddhahood? If you have attained insight into emptiness, after all, you will not break the precepts, and so forth. This is called the slandering of the pro, uh, prohibitionary precepts by the demon of the mind of mistaken views. And this is, of course, his general meaning of it. So I make this uh, podcast because, again, you know, people may be asking where does emptiness come into Buddhism, uh, especially into Nichiren Buddhism? Uh, And again, you can see and perhaps it maybe didn't sit right with you that you probably have seen in some way, maybe in a book or in a practitioner, this absolute attachment to emptiness. Well, in all actuality, this is not the threefold truth. This is not the path towards the middle way, but a heretical uh, teaching, which, again, uh, you know, as far as all of us probably trying to get away from the idea of morality which is, I think, a big reason why people take up uh, certain practices uh, and mistakenly like Zen Buddhism. Because Zen Buddhism, I believe, uh, in its true form, is very much directed towards the Lotus Sutra and these threefold truths. They come from the same place. But then again, you have certain teachers, and that's why it goes back to breaking the precepts. If you have an incorrect view, if you have an incorrect teacher, uh, that's that's one of the worst things because you're stuck. And you're not going to be able to understand. And then if it gets into seeps into your mind uh, and you have this one sided view of reality, which is very different than what we have, you know, the idea of self or the provisional. And it's very people can very much become one sided and therefore we're farther away from the middle way, which, again, is a cycle of suffering. And it says it's much more difficult because probably they don't care you know it's kind of the person who does not have any kind of emotional reflection i would say it is um, you know and, and and a lot of times you know to be to be to believe i believe the majority of people these days are, are very much lacking even the concept of emptiness or the emotion or ex- experience of empathy so you know it's very kind of modern that many people are empty. They believe in emptiness. They don't believe this is any meaning to this world, any meaning to their behaviors or actions towards others. Uh, and in the end, it doesn't really mean anything. There's plenty of people who believe that, and that in itself is also an attachment to emptiness. So when you read Nichiren Shonen's writings, I, I just really hope that you, you know, a lot of people just simply point the finger to Nichiren Shonen but time and time again, I, I can very concretely and sincerely say Nietzsche and shoden was not spinning his own uh, kind of news. He wasn't spinning his own kind of uh, belief. He was simply reiterating and re- giving the uh, more concrete foundation back to what Master Chantai is saying. So in Buddhism, we are uh, practicing an idea of moralism, uh, being moralistic, but you know, not having, you know, having a concept, an inner concept that that's one way that people can see things very surface oriented. And then, we, of course, we go deeper into the true concept, the true awakening of Prasanna paramita, you know, the true awakening of true wisdom into kanjan. That means seeing things correctly, seeing the mind correctly. Therefore, as we see the mind correctly, we ultimately follow the middle way. So I hope this was a useful discussion for you on the trappings of emptiness. And of course, if you have any questions for me, please do. Please join us for our Sunday services. Please join us at nkyojibuddhistnetwork.org, seattlebuddhist.org as well. And it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Namu Myoho